Well, hello there. Welcome to Biblical Chili. Now listen, the cruise is just about to start, but let me fill you in on a few details if you've never been here before. You see, we speak openly about the Bible and our daily walk with Christ, and it's our continuing prayer that we help you grow closer to Jesus every day. Now, you might be wondering why it's called Biblical Chili. You see, around this table, we have people from all walks of life, different histories, backgrounds, different futures, even different religious views. But even with all these differences, that shouldn't hinder us from carrying on a conversation. And you stepped in at a good time, too, because the Chili Crew is walking through the Bible from cover to cover. And right now, they're in the book of Exodus. Moses talking to a burning bush, plagues, Exodus out of slavery, and the Ten Commandments. Woo, this gives me the collie wobbles just thinking about it. Well, welcome back, everybody. Today, we're going to be reading in Exodus chapter 33. We only got two more chapters left, 33 and 34. Now, up to this point, basically, they've gotten the law of God. They've gotten out of Egypt. Everything is basically happening. We're just, we're getting at the tail end of what God is uh, trying to get Israel to do. And so we only got two more chapters to go, I guess, without any further ado. Let's just, let's just dive right in. And our reader today will be played by Antonio. Greetings, I am Antonio. Antonio. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I'll be reading out of the NLT version today. Uh, the Lord said to Moses, get going. You and the people you brought up from the land of Egypt, go up to the land I swore to give to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. I told them I will give this land to your descendants, and I will send an angel before you to drive out the Canaanites, Amorites, Hittites, Perizzites, Hivites, the Jebusites, and all kinds of other sites. I'm just kidding. That's not in there. <laughs> yeah, that wasn't in there. Was it? <laughs> Taking care of all of the ites. Yeah. Why, why is that? I've always wondered that. Why is most of the nations around them are always ites? I, I don't get it. Because I think that was kind of like their version of our... Um, well, like they're European mi- or they're, they're, they're German... American, whatever Germany is for <laughs> the Germans, Flo- Floridian, <laughs> like yeah, Floridian or historian. I don't know, uh, but <laughs> one of those I, I forgot. I want to say synonym, but it's not synonym. No the adjectives. No, some kind of add-on. Yeah, to, uh, yeah. It's, like, it's what type it's, of person you are, yeah. like culture or whatever. So, like, I'm a tie-on, you know. Yeah. So hey, perfect. So this is this is just God like reiterating the the promises or the promise in in some form, but one thing I notice in your version is my angel capitalized. No, uh, not for NLT. Let me check the King James. I got New King uh, James, was... so it might be different. My right, New no, King James says my angel. Verse. We kind of talked about this several episodes ago, where the angel of the Lord. The word angel is actually not as we think of angels. Like we think of angels normally when I say, hey, what's an angel? Most people think they're thinking of a different species, more or less, that God created. But yeah, sure. An- yeah, right, right. Angel actually is just, it's it's more like a title. It's It means messenger. And there's a lot of people, and now I, I don't get super dogmatic about it, although I do believe this. I think the my angel or the angel of the Lord that is in the cloud, because that's what he's talking about. Uh, my, He said, I will send my angel before you and I will drive out the Canaanites. And then he also talks about his angel in the cloud, you know, the 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 fire by night and the pillar, uh, the cloud 
by day kind of thing. He talks about my angel again. And there's a lot of people that believe, and I happen to be one of them, that this is a Christophany where Christ himself was with the people. Now I understand, like I said, I understand it says angel, but angel just means messenger. And Jesus is like, he's a messenger from God. Like he's God as a messenger in the flesh. So, I mean, without getting too deep into that, I'm just saying some might, some might believe when he says, uh, I will send my angel. Uh, like I said, mine is capitalized. So maybe that's what it's talking about. The actual, like a Christophany Christ himself. So, but I don't know, like you said, it's not even capitalized in the King James version. It's, really? It's, it's basically almost word for word. Uh, and I will send an angel before thee. Uh, that's King James. And the NLT is, and I will send an angel before you. That's funny. Mine says my angel. That's funny. I, I, like I said, mine's just New King James. So, <laughs> Go to this land that flows with milk and honey, but I will not travel among you, for you are a stubborn and rebellious people. If I did, I would surely destroy you along the way. When the people heard these stern words, they went into mourning. That is mourning as in ha, like as in like, um, yeah, I, like I sadness. Yeah. Yes. You know, my, you know, mine says, mine says, and when the people heard the bad news (laughs) 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 and when, and when the people heard this bad news, they mourned. So, and I'm assuming the bad words may make it sound more, you know, (laughs) I'm I'm assuming the bad news, is it coming after, or is it talking about when God said, I will consume you if I hang out with you? Yeah, I think it was after that. I think because it said mourning and stopped wearing their jewelry and the fine clothes. They they went into their cultural uh, way of expressing well mourning. Mourning. Right. I, I can't be any more specific than that. And okay. I, I try to break down Barney style, but that's what they did. They pour ashes. They usually rent. Actually, that's usually repentance, but they still pour right. ashes and dirt on their heads when they were in mourning. Yeah, because uh, they they would throw ashes and stuff and be they would still be in sackcloth when they were at mourning too. Yeah, or at least they would so. be in some, yeah, different kind of clothing. Yeah, some show of pain. Uh, so, yeah, so they took out their fine clothes and all that just because the Lord wasn't going to be with them anymore. They're going to miss daddy. The Lord, okay, continue on. Verse 5. The Lord had told Moses to tell them, you are a stubborn and rebellious people. If I were to travel with you for even a moment, I would destroy you. Remove your jewelry and your fine clothes while I decide what to do with you. So from the time they left Mount Sinai, the Israelites wore no more jewelry or fine clothes. So it kind of reminds me of a conversation about jewelry. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> a conversation about jewelry. Yeah. Context. 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 Right. So, okay. So mine says, so the children of Israel stripped themselves of the ornaments by Mount Horeb. But isn't this. God trying to preserve them, though? Like, in a way? Yeah, I understand. Because it's like he, he's chastising them. Yeah. And yeah it's like, go, it's like, go to your room. <laughs> this is a serious go to your You're room. You're grounded. <laughs> <laughs> I'm mad at you right now for acting up. Oh, wow. Parents, you know what I'm talking about. Yeah, but this is... I'm a this... parent of dogs, so... Yeah, but this isn't just God, like, chastising his people. It's also him 
trying to save them because he flat out said twice now, I think you, I think you read it twice where he will consume them completely. So he said, I will not be with you in, in, in your midst. Like, right. Exactly. Yeah. Isn't that what any parent does when they chastise their child? Right. Get a dad. Stop it. <laughs> get away from me. Otherwise I, I might uh, do something to you. Yes. Yes. All right. Continue on with verse seven. It was Moses' practice to take the tent of meeting and set it up some distance from the camp. Everyone who wanted to make a request of the Lord would go to the tent of meeting outside the camp. Whenever Moses went out of the tent of meeting, all the people would get up and stand in the entrances of their own tents. They would all watch Moses until he disappeared inside. As he went into the tent, the pillar of cloud would come down and the door of the tabernacle, and the Lord talked with Moses. That's some interesting thing going on right there. So that also kind of like sounds weirdly in a way of the 24 elders always bowing down when right. Jesus got up. Yeah. Yeah, it sounds like they're at their individual But they're tents. at their own tent door, tent door, like they're at their tent still like they did they're not entering the tabernacle or going to the tabernacle it sounds like they're at their tent yeah inside the tent of meeting the lord would speak to moses face to face as one speaks to a friend afterward moses would return to the camp but the young man who assisted him joshua son of nun would remain behind in the tent of meeting face to face wow yeah that's such a i have a nice sunshine in my bible like on that verse <laughs> like drawn in there because like i see that you know and we're just every as, christian wants to do that right right as as friends you know that's yeah. so yeah. crazy to to think about like how we are with our friends we're so yeah. you know, you know if it's a true friend though. you're casual you're you know yourself completely even when you know if there's something wrong like you're yeah so it's just wild yeah, let's think about that for a second. Any other religion, their gods are like, you know, we fear our god out of respect because we love them, like like a yeah. child fears their parents, right? But any other religion, they fear their god like as if they're never going to live again or get, you know, have lifetime of pain or afterlife of right. pain, depending on what religion you are. And nobody wants to see their god because they're so afraid of them or they don't think they're worthy. Here, we are looking forward to even hugging ours. Or their God is like distant. Yeah. Right. Like it almost like their God is, is disconnected in a way from them. So like, there's not this, and I know, I know people, a lot of people like to say personal relationship, that kind of thing. And I know why they say that, like having a personal relationship with God, that's talking about the fact that he's not a distant God. He is actually wanting to be among us. Um, do you guys uh, remember when Abraham got it in scripture? It talks about how Abraham back in Genesis was the friend of God. It actually said, so this is a, just one more of those instances where, where it was considered a, you know, God was a friend of, of somebody. He walked with the Lord. He loved the Lord. He had to be a friend. Uh, well, yeah, kinda, kinda. I, I would consider him a friend of God. Yeah. How do you like, nor, like if you say relationships, right. Or friendship, friendship is where both parties are, are 
mutually trying to get to know each other, right? But how do you do that with God? I know you can get to know God better. You know, like there is a knowledge that you are increasing, ever increasing over and over and over and more and more and more and grow, 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 where you grow more into the Lord. But at the same time, what about God? Is he, is his knowledge of you increasing or is he just enjoying the show? (laughs) (laughs) You know what I mean? As far as a relationship is concerned, like, oh, Antonio used to crawl on his, his, two or his you know two hands and on his knees and now he's walking you know like you know what i mean like i i don't know i just i I guess from god's perspective this has to be wild like way different than ours than our understanding of what a friendship means between two human beings okay (laughs) verse 12 one day moses said to the lord you have been telling me take these people up to the promised land you haven't told me whom you will send with me. You, ha- you have told me I know you by name, and I look favorably on you. If it is true that you look favorably on me, let me know your ways so I may understand you more fully and continue to enjoy your favor. Remember that this nation is your very own people. And I think it's interesting because like the covenant too has already, the covenant's been given, right? Like he gave the commandments written on stone that the people were supposed to agree to. And so everything else that comes after this is Moses asking, give us more information about you so that we can, you know, be more like you and get to know you more. And I feel like people look at that whole, the whole like, law of Moses, you know, it's like, these are things that we have to do, or, you know, they had to do in order to be saved or whatever. But it's like, these were things that, you know, he shared so that his people could get to know him better. It wasn't this, do this, you know, or you're going to perish. Like that part already happened. And that was, he had very minimal requirements, you know, like, I mean, and of course they already broke them and he still is giving them more chances even way back then. Right. And, and that's a great point because we brought we brought that up when we hit up the Ten Commandments about the Ten Commandments being a perfect reflection of God's own character and and who he is and not like I guess mirroring off of what you just said less about you know these stringent rigid thou shalt not doom boom 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 but it was better it's it's more like this is the way I am this is you know, how to develop the relationship with me. And this is how you get to know me and these kind of yeah, things. It was, it was the and, Pharisees and I, that took it and said, these are all these laws that we have to do. And right. then they made even more laws for themselves because they were so far from God. They had to make more laws to like keep those laws. And, and I feel like even today, Christians have that same outlook as the Pharisees had on it, though they say we don't have to do any of those things. They still keep the same perspective that it was, you know, all these do's and don'ts that we have to do or don't have to do, or God's not going to love us or God's not going to save us instead of it being like purely a reflection of his character that, you know, we're being shaped into him. So some of these things, like you don't necessarily, you know, that there's freedom in that where it's not like, it's just this list of things to not to do, but you can read it and you can see love and you can know even like so many of those things are just intuitive when you're walking in love. Like I should I don't know, like, yeah, it's just things that you do because as we become more like God, you know, we want to live that way. I would totally agree with you because we, 
I've said this before in, in Bible studies I've, I've uh, discussed or, or conducted where when it comes to the law, we often do or, or we, we have this mindset of the, the economic exchange kind of thing. Like I do this for God or I am this way for God. And therefore that's like money to God and God gives me back. You, you know what I mean? Right. There's this natural exchange, but that's because that's what we're used to. In life, it's only fair that I do something for you and you do something for me or you give me that because I gave you that. You know, we've, we're in this mindset and we can't get out of it because God is offering something that we don't deserve, nor can we pay for, and that there's no way that we can get it right, on Right, and own. he doesn't like, need anything from us. You know, he is completely self- right. You know, it's, it's all everything can everything is contained within himself. He needs nothing, yeah, and he, he needs something. He can just speak it into existence. Right. <laughs> so it's like this idea that you know we need to do something for him so that we can get something. He doesn't need anything. You know, all like, and he knows that we're made out of dust. You know, like he doesn't expect us to be perfect, and he never did. He just wants us to love him. So that, you know, we can experience him. And when we experience him, then we'll love others and they can experience him. And then it just grows. Right. We shall know peace. Right. Yeah. Peace. Okay. Yeah. One, one phrase I heard about describing God, I, I heard, and it's always stuck with me. He is the self-existent one. Right. Which doesn't make any sense to us. I get that, but... And I, I'm not even going to pretend to understand that, but he is. He is the self-existent one. All right. Continuing on. Verse 14. The Lord replied, I will personally go with you, Moses, and I will give you rest. Everything will be fine for you. You will have peace. That's not in the Bible. That's what that means. <laughs> Moses said, if you don't personally go with us, don't make us leave the place. How will anyone know that you look favorably on me? on me and your people if you don't go with us for your presence among us sets your people and me apart from all the other people on the earth right this is like the same thing as with you know 13 like let me know your ways that i may know you and so he's saying you know walk among us and have your presence down with us so that we can be distinguished you know among you know we can be different from everyone else and look what's happening here. The Lord God is saying, I'm going to leave you. And Moses is like, please don't. My, mine says something slightly different, but meaning very similar. For how then will it be known that your people and I have found grace in your sight, except you go with us? That's a question that Moses gave to God. See, Moses, and this is the interesting thing. This is where the whole friend of God thing really hits into play. Every time, this is the third time that I've counted so far, and I could be off on my count, but I think it's three times that Moses has discussed a very specific thing and gave pushback basically to God because Moses was concerned about God's uh, reputation. So like back when he was in Egypt or, or something like that, he was, he said, well, God, what would the Egyptians say? And then another time he said, no, 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 don't, don't destroy Israel. And we just read this a little while ago. Don't destroy Israel because what will the rest of the world say that they know that you brought us out here to kill them? 
you know, God, don't, don't, don't do this, you know, and you know what I mean? Like, I'm not saying he's negotiating with God, but it seems like the only thing on his mind, his only concern is that the world can get to know God the way that he knows God. And I, I don't, it seems like he, he's, I don't know, he's, I don't know, he sounds like a Christian. He sounds like somebody's like, I don't want the people around me to misunderstand who God is. So, and Moses knows that these nations around them right now don't know God, or maybe not fully, maybe. And God's trying to give Israel this this revelation, this this new information about him. But yet Moses is only concerned about God's character, about what the what the rest of the world thinks about him. Well, and I love that when you walk into a specific church or a specific community, or you just meet someone and you just feel like you've known them forever instantly. And, you know, you can just feel that light of God, like radiating off of them, like, you know, instantly like, wow, you know, you're just my brother and sister, my brother or sister in Christ. Like, it's so obvious. I mean, there's been so many times I've just met someone, been talking to them instantly connected. And then it just (laughs) found out they were basically the same person that, you know, I could just, I can just tell, like, you clearly have, you know, an intimate relationship with God, like, it just shines off your faith. And it's because of, you know, how God has revealed himself to us and because how, you know, he's given us this blessing that we can get to know him. And, you know, so that the other nations will look on us and see that we're distinguished and we're different. That's that's impactful beyond anything we're going to fully understand of just our own lives being that witness. I mean, it is a supernatural experience. I don't know if you know what I'm talking about, but just having that connection, like when you meet someone, like there's just been several times in my life where I've walked into a group or walked in, you just feel it instantly. Yeah. And it is, it's, it's supernatural and it's amazing. And it's that gift that God's given us. That I've had that happen when uh, we, we have a camp really close by here. Uh, it's called Camp Asable. And the church where a lot of our churches will get together and we'll do stuff at Camp Asable. And I've been there and that exact experience that, you know, that like you go in and you start clicking with people very quickly. And it's just like everything falls in place because of exactly what you're saying. Wow. That's yeah, it's powerful. (laughs) It is. And imagine if, you know, that's everywhere. You go to the grocery store and you just see God's face shining off people and you go to the, the doctor's office for a checkup and you just feel God's love like through the the, you know, the doctor, like you can just tell and you can see it. Like, you know, we should be wearing his sign like on our sleeve and on our forehead so that everyone can see it at all times. And, you know, it shouldn't just be an experience that, I mean, obviously it's an amazing experience when you all get together in a group and you go to a camp or you go to a retreat or something, but it should be an experience that we share with someone everywhere, everywhere we go (laughs) at all times. (laughs) We are in 17, correct? Okay, continuing on, verse 17. The Lord replied to Moses, I will indeed do what you have asked, for I look favorably upon you, and I know you by name. Moses responded, Then show me your glorious presence. The Lord replied, I will make you, excuse me, I will make all my goodness pass before you, and I will call out my name, Yahweh, before you. For I will show you, mercy to anyone i choose and i will show compassion to anyone i choose 
but you may not look directly at my face, for no one may see me and live. Note. That's really Can weird. We just, just a few, <laughs> sorry, just a few verses before it said that they spoke face to face. Exactly. Well, they were face to face, but I think it was supposed to be like as if they were face to face, wasn't it? Well, no, I think they were face to face in the cloud. So it almost seems like there was a veil between uh, him and God. They were face to face, yes, but there was like they, so it was kind of like the how cloud. the uh, tabernacle is, where the high priest is just before the veil, and there's like a. Uh, uh, and then there's the, the throne, the Ark, right? I think so, yeah. Let, let me go ahead and reread it. It's on verse 11. So the Lord spoke to Moses. Hold on, let me go back to 10. And the people saw the pillar of cloud standing at the tabernacle door, and all the people rose and worshipped, each man at, at his tent door. Verse 11, so the Lord spoke to Moses face to face as a man speaks to a friend, and he would return to the camp. But his servant Joshua, the son of Nun, a young man, did not depart from the tabernacle. So, yeah, it, it, I mean, it sounds, it seems like, okay, the cloud descended and then God was speaking to him, quote unquote, face to face in the cloud or. Right. Okay. Well, my version, and I never noticed this before. So it talks about the pillar of the cloud standing there. And then it says, thus the Lord used to speak Moses face to face. So it's like. I never noticed that the word used, at least in my version, is there before. So it's like he's using this cloud to be able to speak to him. Yeah. That's why I said is it It almost seems like the cloud was the veil or the voice was coming from the cloud. King James maybe says, like a... Uh, as a man speaketh unto his friend. It says, and the Lord spake unto Moses face to face as a man, as a man speaketh unto his friend. It doesn't really say that they saw what about each verse other. 10? What about verse 10? Go to, go to 10, 10. And all the people saw the cloudly pillar stand at the tabernacle door. And all the people rose up and worshipped every man in his tent door. I tell you what, that pillar had to have been huge. Just a side note. Because if all of, the, if all of Israel could see that pillar, because it just said that the tabernacle was outside the camp. And everybody saw it. And when they saw it descend, then they worshipped at their tent. So like they were all very far away and they could see that, that whatever this cloud is, was descending upon like, I don't know, like a giant funnel tornado thing descending upon the tabernacle or something. I, I don't know. I get Hollywood esque on this one, but yeah, maybe, maybe though, and just this may just, cause we just kind of talked about how the angel of the Lord, the whole Christophany thing that maybe, maybe Jesus himself was in the cloud or something like that. Um, maybe this could be that Christ was the one in the cloud. Like Jesus is supposed to be God in the flesh or the physical manifestation of God. Maybe Jesus was in the cloud talking to him face to face, but God, the father is the one talking to him now. And God's like, oh, hold on. Yeah. <laughs> you can't see me face to face, you know. So I, I don't know. It's just it's just a theory. I'm not super dogmatic about it, but you, I mean, I'm just saying you bring up a good point, Susanna. Well, didn't he just talk to him face to face? Right. Well, I wonder, too, like what comes to mind for me is um, like I feel like we could have that same experience seeing God face to face. Like because God is life and he's love and he's all these things. Like if you go out, like one example, you know, you're going out in nature and and you're in the woods and you're seeing the the creek. Like, I feel like you could have an experience of seeing God face to face by seeing 
his create you know like paul says we can look at his creation and we can know he exists so like yep through that or even just through what we were talking about before with those experiences with meeting people like i think that's that's kind of the same thing like you're you're seeing god face to face when you see him move in his creation the lord continued look stand near me on this rock as my glorious present passes by i will hide you in the crevice of the rock and cover you with my hand until i have passed by then I will remove my hand and let you see me from behind, but my face will not be seen. Is this the first time we've heard him express him being a rock? Or the expression that the Lord is my rock? Well, okay, so mine's verse 22 for me says, uh, so, so it shall be while my glory passes by that I will put you in the cleft of the rock. Yeah. Wow, that's powerful because isn't Jesus considered the rock? So, I mean, this is, maybe this is reaching, but you might have a point here. Jesus was the one himself, if Jesus is the rock, he's the one himself that is covering him. The protector, the, the, I don't know, mediator, the the in-betweener person (laughs) between, you know, between us and God the Father, (laughs) the veil. Oh, I like, there we go. There we go. Better than yeah. in betweener. <laughs> <laughs> you shall only see my back, but my face shall not be seen. That is interesting. Yeah, like you said, how it says, like you shall stand there on the rock. I never really thought about that before, and because I know in the story with Moses when they're like facing Israel, and he has her and Aaron up there, or no, Israel is facing Amalek in battle, like right when they get pulled out of. Egypt um, and Moses gets tired from like holding his hands up he's holding the staff up so that you know Israel oh. Amalek and they you know he sits on the rock and in that word you know it's like a picture word and it has basically the symbol of like Christ in it so it's like he's sitting on Christ for support and then he has you know Moses and or her and Aaron um in their names too, like there's certain symbolisms. I don't remember out there, like, but you know, basically it's like he has these three pillars, whatever, you know, Moses represents something, Aaron and her represent something and the rock represents something. So it's like interesting here that Moses again is standing on the rock. Yeah. And it's, I I find it. Oh, I just be curious to like see that word in Hebrew. If it's the same word as in the other story, because there was something like about that one you know <laughs> it's not just like a rock right right but i have i i find it interesting that to protect him also that god it, it, if I'm, I'm envisioning this correctly it sounds like as he's approaching moses he's like covering moses completely with his hand and as he walks by his hand kind of like lifts away and all he can see is like God's elbow and the rest of his hand and the, his back parts. Yeah, you, you know what I mean. Like, yeah, well, that it, it reminds me of kind of, it reminds me kind of like those those people that are that are on TV and they don't want to give a comment and they cover, they walk up to the camera, cover the camera, and as they walk back, they let go of the camera, no comment. You know, like, right. <laughs> but God is using His own hand to protect. Well, and it's well, just crazy because I like we've all pictured God like sitting on a giant throne with like arms and legs and hands and feet, you know, like, but then in the back of my mind, I'm like, well, maybe that's not exactly how 
how he really is. I don't know. But then you read this and it's like, he has hands and a back to be seen. And like, (laughs) I could read you you several passages of what Christ looks like in heaven. But I would like to state for the record here, the Bible, I think it is pretty clear that this is an actual place and not just Christ himself. So, I mean, this is figuratively speaking where we might have gotten Christ as our rock. If I should read King James Version real quick. uh, And the Lord said, Behold, there is a place by me, and thou shalt stand upon a rock, and that I will put thee in a cliff of the rock, and I will cover thee with my hand while I pass by. So he completed the rock, basically, is what I'm getting out of it. Right. He shielded him. The Lord is my rock. He's my shepherd. He shields me. One thing, uh, and this, I guess this is kind of a question. Why is it always God's face? And then later on, we find, you remember when Moses. He doesn't want people to have an on, image little, of him. To worship. For, for, well, no, no, no. What I mean is, is like Moses, when Moses was hanging out with God, they asked Moses, Moses, your face is shining. We cannot be in your presence cover your face with a veil and then god here is saying no man can see me face to face and here another uh, this other instance god is saying i will show you everything except for my face like why what is it's just it's just peculiar to me because i don't know i i know some mythology and and the way that human beings human beings often try to humanize gods often like that this is what we do why because when we want a god we want a god we're going to fully understand so we make them human you know and you go yeah, let's go to something simple you go to greco roman uh mythology or or just split them up greek mythology or roman mythology like oh you look at those all of the gods they're just squabbling siblings like back and forth and just but they're just siblings with you know for all intents and purposes, I'll just say superpowers. And that's all it is because they're very human. They have very uh, extreme emotions, extreme abilities, and that's just it. But here God is saying, like, I am so holy, you cannot even see my face. Yet in other, like, Greco, like, in other mythologies, it's not the face of a god that's usually the most... Uh, amazing part it's you know the staff of so and so or the the bow of this or his (laughs) fist does this right or or his lightning bolts he can throw right and it's it's always that way but in scripture it's god's face because these, these are not the only instances where god's face is referenced as as this like being being in his ref being in his presence face to face is to be something just so out of this world and yet God, you know, puts his own hand yet God's own hand should have destroyed Moses. You see what I mean? Like it doesn't match up with all other faith systems at all. And it just seems weird. What's with the face that makes it so unique outside of, you know, I mean, I don't know about you guys, but I'm a very shape and color based person. So when I meet people, I remember them by very specific things. I remember them by the shape of their ears or the shape of their eyes or whether they have a nose ring or I don't like, I don't, I don't do the color of the hair. Antonio, yours is very easy. 
crystal clear. That's the I'm, color. I'm jealous because, <laughs> right, right. I, I'm, I'm jealous because I wish I wish I had a properly shaped head to to shave it. I, I hope when I get older, I, I somehow like. I, I have a weird. I don't think you're going to get all that. Makes me look like an alien. <laughs> I, I'm this person, so maybe that's where God is going for this. Like maybe that is His holiness, His character. It's in His face. For I, I don't know if it'd be a symbolism or if it would just be like an actual. This is God. Uh, although you did have a good point, Antonio, about the whole images. They don't. God did not want any images of Him because nothing, nothing would suffice. Of, right. Yeah. And plus, you know, um, when they make an image of God, and even though they may not bow down and worship to it, they end up refer, uh, rever- ah, what's the word? I don't want to say referencing, but reverent, reverence. Reverence. We, yeah, we give, give reverence to it. To you it. end up bowing down before it anyways and praying to it because, oh, this is a symbolic, my Lord. It's, you know, I'm praying to you, but not to it, you know, type things. And it, it still doesn't yeah. look right and you know what eventually you're ended up praying to it anyways so um where's my lucky yeah, charm exactly. <laughs> i think so i know that sounds bad but sorry. like once you have an image of something you you have an experience connected to it and you you have like expectations it's like when you go to a, you go and you see a waterfall for the first time you've never seen a waterfall and it's you're just purely living in the moment and you're experiencing it and you know it's like because it's the first time you've ever done that but then at that point you know you might be going on a waterfall tour and every time you see a waterfall you're like you have something to compare it to you're comparing it to that first one that first experience or you know it's just it kind of loses its appeal it's like adrenaline junkies you know have to do crazier and crazier things because things you know you, you don't have the same experience every time so if we had an image to put on god you know it would we'd have something to compare it to we'd have expectations and i think that's the importance of like being like a child too and just trying to experience every moment like it's the first time cuz i think have, you're i right. think we can have images in our life just by having those expectations and having that history and expectation like makes you kind of think you're in, you're entitled to things or you know, like, I am going to have a paycheck every day for the rest of my life because I have before instead of just being grateful for everyone you get. <laughs> See, it, it, it would almost like cheapen the experience because then your your relationship is with this thing and not with God, not with an actual being. Right. Yeah. And I think that's what makes it different. And, you know, there's nothing else like that. And we humans have shown an aptitude for mystery, of being magnetized to mysteries, if I may be more accurate. Like, I mean, everybody loves a good mystery novel until they end to read of it, and you're like, that's it? <laughs> <laughs> Is aliens real? We don't know. They're trying to contact us, though. <laughs> are they beings from another dimension? Are they demons? Right, Who are right. these people? Are they actually trying to help us? <laughs> you know... Uh, just name a few things. <laughs> it seems like God is working up to something here, or building up to something. That's a short little chapter, but... Although, I will say this. It seems like... I'm going back to the beginning. This said, uh, this is uh, 33, verse 1. Then the Lord God said to Moses, Depart and go from here, you and the people... 
uh, whom you have brought out of the land of Egypt to the land of which I swore to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, saying, and he continues on about the promises. It sounds like God right now, chapter 33, God is making plans to bring Israel to the promised land. Now, obviously, we have a little bit of foresight. We know what the story is going to happen a little bit later. But the thing is, is it seems like God is making genuine plans to send them to the land of milk and honey. Let's go. This is why I brought you out here. I want you to be my people. I want you to give this law and we're going to the new land. You know, <laughs> we're going to the land I promised you. Mm-hmm. It's interesting. I was listening on a Christian radio today. Uh, one of the singers talking about what the promised land is. And the, I think he wrote an entire song about it, that Jesus is my promised land. Ooh. Man, I'd like to However, I would like to state that there is a promised land after Revelation. It's called the New Earth. Yeah. So as the scripture says there's going to be new heavens. Yeah, and a so new people earth. are looking for a promised land on this current earth. They're not, they're not finding it. You might as well just go to Jesus. <laughs> might as well go to Jesus. There's so many semantics we get stuck into in the, in the Christian uh, realm talking about it. And I'm like, okay, guys, let's just simplify this. Good thing, ha good things happen to those who follow Christ. Not so good things happen to those who reject him. Can we just keep it real simple? Eventually, that way? <laughs> like, when all things come to an end, that's what's going to happen. You might see right, the wicked in, in the getting end, away with right. stuff right now, but they're not. Right, and that's my point. Yeah, yeah. So, like, in the end, like, I've read the last <laughs> chapter. You know, so. <laughs> Don't tell anyone. You're not, you're not supposed to do that. You're not supposed to read the end of the book first. We're not? That's why I'm so but. confused. <laughs> Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for this time. Uh, we thank you for uh, just your word, Lord, uh, helping us to understand better and more of your own character, of who you are, Father. And, and uh, that one phrase that we, we read earlier, friend of God, uh, or speaking to him as a friend, Lord, that just, it it means so much, Father. So I, I would pray for any every one of us listening here, uh, every one of us in this conversation. Father, help us to be a friend to you, Lord. Help show us uh, what that means. And we love you so much and we thank you. We praise you in your heavenly name. Amen. Well, this has been Justin. This has been Antonio. And I have a friend in Jesus. This is Susanna. Thanks for joining us, everyone. We'll see you later. Bye. Ciao, ciao. Now listen. Just because this is the end of the episode doesn't mean it's the end of the conversation. You can find Biblical Chili on almost any social media outlet. And if you're not a big fan of YouTube, just search for Biblical Chili anywhere and I'm sure you'll be able to find us. Or just go to BiblicalChili.com. Now until we meet again, remember, be part of the conversation. Goodbye. Try to give 10% every day to God in prayer, you know. Oh yeah, but your time doesn't pay the bills on these massive buildings. <laughs> no, but, but somebody could mow buildings. the lawn. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> someone go in and clean. Do you think they're still listening? I doubt it. There can't be that many people that listened all the way to the end of the track. Most of them probably skip it. But in case you did, 
Congratulations, you're one of the few. We love you.